0: This is a success story. The anatom falcon has rebounded. There are at least a thousand breeding pairs once again in the country, and here in Ontario, where 20 years ago there were none, 80 breeding pairs have reclaimed the skies
1: and towering cliffs of Lake Superior. They are among the fiercest and fastest predators in the sky, but they're also very fragile. Forty years ago, peregrine falcons were almost wiped out in North America and parts of Europe. Now they've come back. But is it too early to celebrate? You're listening to The Nature Stories Podcast. I'm Samantha Brown. This podcast is curated by Atlantic Public Media in collaboration with The Nature Conservancy and the Public Radio Exchange. Each week, we bring you pieces about the intersection of people and place. Here's Cheetah of the Sky, produced by Kelly Hudson with the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. They know we're coming. And they're not happy.
0: Mr. and Mrs. P squawk their displeasure as we scramble up rugged cliffs on an island on Lake Superior. I just take it real slow here. Brian Ratcliffe is in the lead. He's a biologist from Thunder Bay. He works on contract for the Ministry of Natural Resources. Just watch your, watch your footing. He's lean and wiry, but even for him, this is tough slogging.
2: Make sure, your footing.
0: We use tree branches, roots, rock crevices, whatever we can grab for leverage and balance. The peregrine falcons continue to cry out in alarm as we climb higher and higher. That's the mom or the dad? Uh, probably both of them up there. Finally, about 25 minutes later, sweaty and thirsty, we reach a clearing at the top. Did it. <sighs> Good stuff. The climb is worth it. It's an awesome view. Yeah, it's a beautiful view. The sun sparkles like diamonds off the blue, blue waters of Lake Superior, about 60 meters below. But we're not here to enjoy the scenery. Brian has a job to do. band some baby peregrine falcons. The bands will help identify and count returning birds next year. It's part of a recovery program for a bird that had disappeared from these rocky cliffs. Brian walks quickly to the edge where three guys are already hard at work, unraveling ropes, setting up lines and harnesses. Leo, Rod, and Frank are all experienced rock climbers all experienced baby bird banders, all volunteers.
2: Oh, no, We're good there, we're right above that rock. But that's going to be going down, right? Yeah.
0: 40 years ago, the peregrine falcon was nearly extinct, not just from this area, but across Canada, the US, and parts of yeah. Europe. Their eggs made so brittle that few young hatched. The cause? DDT, a pesticide used globally that climbed its way to the top of the food chain, to the falcon, to its eggs.
2: No, no, right where you are, it's going to be going down down, there. down here. So tension that. Yeah. yeah so we got a slacken on the orange.
0: Canada and many other countries banned the pesticide in the early 70s, and that paved the way for recovery programs to begin. The federal government here set up a breeding facility in Alberta. Scientists figured out how to breed the birds in captivity and then release their offspring to the wild. They focused on one subspecies, the anatom, the one most affected by DDT, the one Canada set out to save. It's Leo's turn to go down to get the chicks. The nest is located on a small rock ledge more than 30 metres below. And Brian, how old do you think the babies are?
2: Uh, they're upwards of 30 days. So Leo, if you, if you feel any hesitation, just come back up. Just come back up.
0: So they're going to be pretty big? Yeah,
2: uh, 30 days is our cutoff age for bandage and, um, and they're getting closer, 28 to 30 days. And it's, it's a pretty narrow ledge down there. So I'm, as they try to sort of scamper away from the climber, they may not have many options what they can do. And, that's so and you
0: don't want to hurt them or... We don't
2: want them to fall. That's right. And that's what potentially could happen. So if the climber gets hurt, okay, we do. Okay, Rod. You're on delay. He'll look you. and he'll make an descent.
0: After checks, double checks, triple checks, everything's ready. Leo begins his descent.
2: Oh, hey. that's a long
3: way down.
0: way back up okay a little more okay Transfer. a specially designed box with four separate compartments goes with him he'll put the young birds in there to band them mom and dad are frantic as he gets closer to the nest
3: We're about two meters away
0: this is a success story the anatom falcon has rebounded. There are at least a thousand breeding pairs once again in the country, and here in Ontario, where 20 years ago there were none, 80 breeding pairs have reclaimed the skies and towering cliffs of Lake Superior. Okay, I'm here right now. And the skyscrapers of downtown Toronto. Mark Nash knows he's late for an appointment, he rushes to meet me, extending his hand in greeting.
3: Mark, I knew it was you. Hi, Nick. <laughs> As you can see, I drive just a little truck, so trying to get down here is always a challenge. He's
0: president of the Canadian Sorry. Peregrine Foundation. It's a non-profit charitable organization dedicated to the restoration and recovery of some of Ontario's and Canada's endangered species, including, obviously, the Peregrine Falcon, hence the name.
3: Sorry I'm so late, but... Let's go in.
0: Mark founded CPF more than 10 years ago after a peregrine falcon landed on the windowsill of his office building. He says it was one of the first known sightings in Toronto in nearly 30 years. For Mark, it was love at first sight. And since then, he's devoted his time and energy to raising money for education programs and rescue teams to help this bird of prey. Bringing a bird back from near extinction takes money and an almost obsessive commitment from people seduced by the beauty of the high-flying hunter. And that describes Mark Everybody to a T.
3: Would have an opportunity just simply because of
0: the man the never access. stops Whether talking or moving. The he grabs a quick cup of coffee, triple, triple. Time, He's eager I'm to sure. show me something. Oh, we ride to the deep deep top of the Sheridan Centre in downtown Toronto. So we are.
3: We are at the 43rd floor, penthouse level. Or
0: we walk the through penthouse. the stuffy, noisy boiler room.
3: Now this is where we end up spending our our sunny days. So to a huge
0: in. window, uh, floor to ceiling. This view is spectacular, too, in a very different way. You can see the CN Tower, the Bank of Montreal building, Commerce Court below, and way over there, Lake Ontario. To a falcon, the view must be similar to that of the cliffs overlooking Lake Superior. To my left, there's a peephole.
3: This is how we peak, when we need a real close-up view.
0: It looks out onto a concrete slab. Let me take a look. This is where peregrine falcons have nested for the past five years. The babies have long flown the coop, but I can see the remnants of the nest where this year one chick was born, right there on that ledge. I see a feather in the box. The Greater Toronto Area is home to nine nesting pairs, descendants of the peregrines raised in captivity and released to the wild. Mark and his team of volunteers try to make sure young birds across the city make their first flight safely. If they don't, they're there to pick them up and carry them back to the nest to try again. Rescuing fledglings is a big part of what CPF does. The urban jungle can be a dangerous place.
3: Where are they? Um, very difficult to see, but see the Mark H. Mark
0: draws my attention to the high rise across the way. It's the Hilton Hotel.
3: You can see wind on the H, uh, on the foot of the H, um, uh, hanging out. There's a bird hunkered
0: down. As Mark tells me, it's Wind, the female who lives on this ledge.
3: Uh, she is on a north exposure right now. She's uh, seeking shelter from the driving rains and the wind coming off the lake.
0: Mark says the neat thing about urban peregrines, they don't migrate south in the winter.
3: Bird that's adapted to this environment knows exactly where to go to get out of the, the, the nasty weather.
2: I'm doing good. I just got one more to go.
3: Ah, you're doing good. Yep.
0: Okay, up on the box, gingerly. High above, as Frank and Rod carefully start pulling their precious cargo up the side of the cliff, Brian talks about the recovery program.
2: Things have progressed so quickly, um, which is amazing. Uh, the population has come back, responded well, um, because the habitat is, was here. Never The habitat never left. It was just a matter of um, cleaning up, obviously, the environment with the DDT and having that banned and allowing uh, the birds to settle. And they've been infilling uh, dramatically over the last uh, 20 years.
0: Brian has watched that recovery happen year by year, first at Algonquin Park in southern Ontario, then here, northwestern Ontario. Nearly 30 years he's been at it, and this year marked the height of the success of the recovery program in Ontario. The peregrine falcon was taken off the province's endangered species list, about the fourth or fifth province to do so. They call it downlisting. Now it's just considered threatened. And in part, it's because of what's in the box.
2: uh, Have a look, Brian. Oh boy. <laughs> so what we have here is um, when we did the aerial survey here about two weeks ago, uh, we, were a- we were able to see at least three chicks in the nest. They were small, they were downy, and we could see at least three heads, and as of today we see there was actually four of them on the nest legs, which was really nice.
3: Um,
0: it's a boy. You can tell by the size of the leg, Brian says. You and man, does this little guy have a healthy set of lungs. He glares at Brian as if to say, how dare you? And then he bites his hand. Does that hurt?
2: No. Oh. No, no. Run. no. Oh, you got him? Yeah. yeah, just got him there. That's good. So as you can see, they are quite vocal. They have their vocal cords are well developed. So we're putting two bands on the chicks here. One is a U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service band. It's a silver band. On the other leg, what we're going to put on is a special peregrine band. And it's a black band, and it's got the number 45 over V. And these are distinctive. So this will enable anybody um, with a pair of binoculars or a spotting scope at a close distance to be able to read this band number so you don't have to have the bird in hand to figure out who it is. The whole reason we're banding is to find out where these birds go to in the winter months. Do they return to the same areas where they are born? How long these birds live? So, by these bird, these bands are permanent on the band on the bird. So, it, will this bird live maybe 10 years, maybe 15 years? And we've got peregrines out there that we know of are up to 20 years old. So, we can put that bird back in, and we'll get the next one up going.
3: Six million people. So we take this sort of the greater area that's, that's heavily populated. The vast majority of the people here in the city, in, in many of our large cities, are so removed from wildlife.
0: Mark Nash is still talking as he wipes sweat from his brow. He's hot and bent and not just from the heat of the boiler room. He thinks the peregrine falcon has been downlisted well, too soon you know, and for all the wrong well, reasons. Don't misunderstand, he fully acknowledges the success of the recovery program in Canada and the US. He calls it the most successful recovery of a species so, on the
3: planet. I always seem like I'm attacking, and I'm not attacking. My goodness gracious, our governments, federal and provincial, and and private organizations over this period of time hold off the almost the unthinkable. They saved, literally they have saved a species from extinction. Well, you should be proud. We should all be proud as Canadians. And we should be proud of our governments and our wildlife resources because, you know, there are countries that have no interest in saving their human populations let alone a bird. But... But we dropped the ball. That's my point. We've dropped the ball.
0: He says there still aren't enough birds. He'd like to see double the population. He wonders about new dangers, toxins like fire retardants, diseases like West Nile, the avian flu. Will they be more harmful to the peregrine than DDT? And how will we know if no one's watching? And that's what he's afraid of with downlisting, that resources and attention will be taken away. And no one will be there to count the
3: Oh, uh, there are others that would tell you different. Oh, of course we're going to watch it. Sure, we're going to monitor it. Well, one of the biggest problems about monitoring this species is is accessing the very places to which it calls home. It's nest sites. Lake Superior, North. Uh, not exactly what you call hiking territory. It's like the Rockies. You know, nice to see from a highway, but get in them? I don't think so.
0: I climbed, it. I know how hard it was to get to one site.
3: To one site. So now consider that you're going to try and look after uh, Monitor 40 sites. And the monitoring that's such a laugh. They're so um, they're crying for resources and manpower and labor, and I am so understanding and sympathetic to, to their dilemma, but what I don't like is the nonsense that we're being fed from that dilemma. Oh, well, we're monitoring. Is that right? Well, how many fixed wings and helicopters? Mark pulls out a file to
0: explain monitoring? something else he's worried and, okay, about, something he calls hybridization, crossbreeding, kind of like putting a poodle with a chihuahua. The end result is still a dog, but it's no purebred. He wants to know, have we saved the specific bird we set out to save? The anatom subspecies declared nearly extinct just 40 years ago. There's more than one subspecies of the peregrine falcon. The United States used peregrines from around the world, not just the anatom, in its recovery program. Mark points to Wind, the peregrine hanging out at the Hilton. He says she's from Ohio. She's a crossbreed, not an anatom. I ask him, why does genetic purity matter? Isn't it okay just to have falcons back, peregrine falcons?
3: Sure, I guess it is. But doesn't this seem like a bit of a fraud? Um, The anatom peregrine is endangered. We've recognized it for 40 years. We've tried to reintroduce it. We've bred it. We've tried to repopulate it. And suddenly we have peregrine falcons back. It's okay, well, let's downlist it. I understand it's the species peregrine falcon is not endangered, but the subspecies is. We've kind of forgotten something. And the explanation, the excuses, the answers to our questions is, well, Mark, uh, there's not enough money okay that's really the bottom line isn't it there's not enough money Well, we have 70 pairs or more peregrine falcons and the species is, is on the rise we certainly have a recovery in the making and I agree that's wonderful but you're downlisting a specific subspecies of bird that was identified as endangered in the first place in our minds it's more endangered now than it ever was because of the mix, the hybrid, the crossbreeding and you're not downlisting it for a biological reason you're downlisting it for financial reasons I think it's pathetic.
0: And yet they're calling it the biggest recovery success story ever.
3: Correct. Well, I, I will agree, with you, but the question that I keep asking is, what subspecies of the peregrine falcon have you downlisted?
0: Brian Ratcliffe is banding baby number three. It's a little girl. Pretty soon, in about ten days, she and her siblings will start to fly. So we
2: have a female... They've got mom and dad as their backup sources for food. And slowly the adults will bring food into them and then the chicks will go out flying after mom or dad coming with food and they'll drop it and the chicks will dive and grab it. So they're they're learning that diving on a prey.
0: Eventually they'll learn from their parents how to dive at speeds of 300 kilometers per hour to pick their meals right out of thin air, killing small to medium-sized birds on impact with their talons. The peregrine falcon is the fastest animal on the planet, the cheetah of the sky, nature's speeding bullet. But not these little ones, not yet. They still have a uh, I lot mean. to learn. You see
2: these, these transfers in midair with the chicks, and also the adults just dropping it, and you see them enticing these guys to get out and start these techniques that they need to obviously survive in this world.
0: Brian Ratcliffe is proud of the recovery he's witnessed and helped. He knows about Mark Nash's concerns about downlisting, has heard Mark and others say it's not about science, it's about money. No money? He laughs. If the government runs out, he says, we're all in trouble. And the hybrid argument. In a perfect world, there would be no crossbreeding. But he says peregrine means wanderer. And unfortunately, birds don't understand international borders. As for monitoring in the future?
2: Um, I don't think they're just going to say, all right, we've done this. Um the birds are on their own. They're going to be still. Monies committed for monitoring. You have to monitor. Threatened is still a very serious and very um, tenuous designation. And so, and the powers to be within the ministry actually understand that they've been dealing with endangered species in this province for years. So they know the classifications. They, the people know how um, still concerned we are about this so I think there's going to be hopefully some monies to monitor um, some sites, uh, maybe not quite as much as there's been in the past
0: but and Brian says his involvement won't stop either just because the falcon's status has changed. He says he'll be back on this cliff next year on his own time, his own dime like Mark Nash, he's been entranced by the cheetah of the sky and that in the end is probably why the peregrine falcon is doing better today than it was 40 years ago that and a lot of hard nice work. Band
2: number is 64 over K in the series we're utilizing here. And then we'll just secure the black band on with the rivets. We try to band about 40 chicks a year. We'll see you later, guys. Little no girl.
3: ...to this bird, which certainly has a direct cousin, but it's called the, the Eurasian owl. At uh, a fall fair just outside case,
0: of Toronto, Mark struggles to be heard the over the steel band. No matter whether it's endangered or, or just threatened, eagle he says he'll continue eagle. to fight for the falcon and other and birds like of prey by raising awareness and educating uh, the public with demonstrations like the football. one he's doing today.
3: And we thought it uh, would probably be an ideal name for boo because his... The, the
0: bird he really wants Rubo, me to meet Rubo. isn't performing so today. Kind of given that, uh, She's resting. Mark that. opens the door of a carrier cage and slowly coaxes Kitesh out.
3: Kitesh is an Egyptian name that comes from ancient... She's Egyptian 21
0: years old, as being a purebred the, uh, anatom. Uh, deities, Kitesh was animals. born in captivity in Alberta as part of Canada's recovery program. Kind of her chicks, chicks were reintroduced back to the wild.
3: bird that was produced in captivity has dedicated her entire life to the restoration and recovery of her own species on this continent.
0: As he talks, Kitesh sits quietly on his arm. She stares at me with her black eyes. Kitesh can see eight times better than me. The queen, as she's called, spreads her wings just a little and then settles back down.
3: So we have a bird that told us an incredible story about the environment. Uh, Truly a hero as far as an environmental indicator or monitor is concerned. I don't want anybody walking away thinking, oh, we did a great job. Yeah, we did a great job but we didn't save this species. This will be a learning experience yet again, and I'm hopeful that this bird won't ever stop telling us a story.
0: He just hopes someone is listening.
2: Yep. This looks like a little male. He doesn't look like very big. Just looking at his body size.
0: The banding is almost done. Frank holds the fourth chick for Brian and describes what it feels like.
2: Uh, It's always a thrill. Uh, It's amazing how different they can be. They seem to have their own little personalities.
0: Statistically, only one of these chicks will make it to his or her second birthday. At that point, the bird will find a mate for life. Peregrine falcons are monogamous, and together they'll start a family. As he wraps up, Brian reflects on his work and the dedication of others like him. Anybody
2: working with any endangered species. um, Your whole program and what you're trying to do is to get them off the list, and hopefully the population is, is, is building and is being more secure than obviously it was. Everything is looking good. Slowly we're seeing the population recover everywhere across North America. It's great. It's a great story. So I guess we'll put them back in, this little guy, and we'll send them back down to their nest, and we can get Leo off the ledge down there. He's just hanging out, enjoying the view, obviously, and collecting some prey remains, and we'll get in here and we'll get out and leave Mom and Dad and the kids alone here so they can get back to their normal routine for a Saturday morning.
1: Kelly Hudson with the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation produced that piece. To hear more pieces like it, stop by the Public Radio Exchange at prx.org. This podcast is made with support from The Nature Conservancy, online at nature.org slash stories, committed to protecting nature and preserving life. I'm Samantha Brown with Atlantic Public Media in Woods Hole, Massachusetts. Join us next week for a brand new Nature Stories podcast.